We are here with Dr. Sean Liu to talk a bit more about the changes to JobSeeker and how that might affect the Australian economy. So could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, good morning, Ash, and uh, to all the readers, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sean Liu. I'm a senior lecturer in macroeconomics at the UNE Business School. Uh, so basically, that um, I'm interested in all things to do with uh, what's happening in the uh, wider Australian economy, uh, but more specifically, that my research is about um, looking at monetary policy effect uh, when there are changes coming from the Reserve Bank uh, policy setting. Uh, what would be the transmission and what is the effect um, on the Australian economy? Um, and also that um, I also focus a little bit on uh, what's happening with inflation and its dynamics. Uh, but essentially, that I'm interested in all things macroeconomics. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more about what macroeconomics specifically is? Yeah, macroeconomics um, is essentially taking a bird's eye view um, in uh, looking at uh, what's happening in the economy, its functions, um, reactions um, to different shocks uh, that might originate from the market itself or could be coming from changes in policies. Uh, and so uh, we are interested in what's going to happen to uh, things like GDP, employment, prices, uh, the share market, interest rate, exchange rate, name it. Um, and you can sort of think about these things from two different perspectives. Um, you can think about them from the short-run perspective, where you're more interested in uh, tracking the changes of these different variables. Or you can think about a much more long-term, uh, from a long-term perspective. So what's driving uh, economic growth in the very long run? So we are talking about what's going to happen in the next 20 to 50 years. Um, and uh, what will actually make wages uh, to be sustainably uh, increasing over time, that sort of thing. Mm. Which is very topical. I've just seen that we are going to be seeing a 5.75% increase in minimum wage from the 1st of July this year. Right. Um, and yeah, of course, the changes to Centrelink payments, which we'll see over a million Australians on those welfare payments, which, you know, as you know, include JobSeeker and Youth Allowance, They'll be getting an extra $40 a fortnight from September. But coalition leader Peter Dutton says that he wants to amend the legislation and increase the income-free amount from $150 to $300. So given the Economic Inclusion Advisory Committee has found that job seekers should be increased by $129 a week, do you think the coalition's proposal would be more beneficial to individuals and the economy? I think it's certainly a welcome extension to the current proposal put together by the Labour government. Um, you know, if we put this into a little bit of historical perspective, so 25 years ago, uh, job seeker was pretty much in line with um, aged pension, mm -hmm. and since then has declined substantially. So it's about two thirds of age pension and it's only 40% of the full-time minimum wage. So I think that there is um, a wide support um, from various sectors of the economy and society to definitely lift this. Obviously, um, there is implication for the re recipients themselves. Um, it gives them, uh, it, you know, it helps them to, to look after their basic needs, but there's also this boost to morale and also a better ability to look after one's health so that they're in better physical and mental state to look for work. And so if the 
aim is to boost people's income intake and then really put them on a path uh, to a more sustainable path so that they can achieve uh, fully paid employment all by themselves. I think this is um, a good extension um, to the current government proposal. Mm. Do you think it's likely that that the coalition's suggestion will be implemented or do you think it's more likely that we'll stick with the $40 a day? Um, in fact, uh, there, there was report uh, that the government is mulling over this uh, suggestion by the coalition. Mm-hmm. I think the issue, the wider issue is, uh, and it's been sort of debated quite fiercely after the, the budget proposal came out, is what is the net effect on inflation? And that has been really sort of a constraint because obviously that uh, Jim Chalmers formed this Economic Inclusion Advisory Committee last year and the proposed increase is nowhere near what the committee um, advised. Mm. And um, I think one likely reason is that um, we are in a, a high inflation environment and that's a constraint on how much more that the government is able to uh, to put into these assistance packages and help uh, the low-income households. And with, this, with these sort of things, it's always uh, sort of interesting because on an individual basis, $40 a fortnight is really... I mean, it, it's something. Yeah. It, it doesn't represent a tremendous help, and it's definitely a fair way away from what the committee suggested. But the problem is that in aggregate, <clears throat> if you look at across you know, the job seeker, youth allowance, all these different things, <clears throat> excuse me, the government is actually putting in additional $2 billion. Um, and part of that would also be that um, they are creating bill savings for people, especially on energy bill savings. The Treasury has argued that is actually going to cut down inflation precisely by 0.75%. Um, I think my personal view on this is that's correct. There will be a temporary com- um, sort of reduction in inflation because of that effect. But think about it. Um, you're essentially, when you create, when you reduce um, the amount that people have to pay on their bill, that's cash freed up. Now, especially for low income households, um, their propensity to actually spend the additional income that they have is very high. So this will get put back into the economy. Um, with a lag. So initially inflation will come down, but then I think that overall that um, effect is going to be pick up in inflation. How much more is debatable. And therefore that, um, I think coming back to your original question, how likely is the government going to agree with this proposal? Let's see, because you know they are working with this particular constraint that they do want to do something to help the Australian households, but at the same time that they, they can't do too much in one go um, uh, for fear of stoking inflation. Yeah. So you'd say that it's um, it will give it sort of a temporary boost, but then we might see that increase inflation and it becomes a snowball effect in a way? Um, it all really depends on that. There are a number of different factors that apply. So we are really sort of just thinking purely from what the budget is doing to mm-hmm. price increases. Uh, we know that the, uh, the the Reserve Bank, the central bank, is very likely to be on track to, if not increase the interest rate for a couple more times or three, at least they'll have to keep the interest rate where it is at the moment. So that's much higher than what 
people are used to, uh, you know, for the last uh, two to three years at least. And so <clears throat> one can sort of think about this interaction between what the government is doing with the budget and what the central bank has to do with the interest rate. So it's very likely that, and the other thing to, to actually add here is that the Treasury uh, a few weeks ago, in fact, told us that even though that the budget is a surplus, so that means that they're taking more tax revenue over spending, but for the next four years after that, um, it's going to go back to deficit and it's likely to get larger and larger. In other words, that spending is going to overtake uh, the amount of tax revenue. <clears throat> mm. So that means more money is going to get spent into the economy. And so um, just, just purely on that, the macroeconomic factors, inflation is going to go up. Mm. And so uh, who's going to constrain that? Well, the Reserve Bank has to do that. So at the at the same time, the, uh, the government is trying to uh, perhaps, you know, through different packages, you know, help different sectors of the economy. But on the inflation front, the Reserve Bank will have to make sure that interest rate lever is kept quite high as to place a constraint, a cap on how quickly inflation can take off again. So there, there's a number of different things that can come into play and will have implication for what the central bank does. And therefore that a lot of people with mortgages, they're still watching the situation quite nervously. Mm. So there's a lot of lot of different factors at play oh, then, yeah. yeah. So do you think that it's even just this small $40 a day, do you see this having a positive effect at the moment on, you know, people being able to spend more um, or is it just not going to have a visible impact? I guess it's the first step. Yeah. Um, I guess in today's environment, especially if you're in the, in the big cities, $40 a fortnight, we're talking about $20 a, um, a week, you know, that one can argue that that really doesn't do too much. Mm. Uh, you know, we heard of stories where people say, you know, they, they really want to get back into employment. And one of the things is you have to make yourself presentable uh, when you go to interviews. And then I would like to have a haircut. Uh, yeah. You know, and a lot of these people find that they struggle to afford a decent, a decent haircut. So, you know, even just on that basis, you know, $20 extra a week, you know, that might get eaten up by haircuts. Um, so what I think is that um, on the front that you want to help people to, uh, those, those job seeker recipients, uh, to really sort of, ultimately the goal here is to get people to be able to sort of just get back into uh, fully paid employment by themselves. Mm. And if that's the case, I think this is the first step. Um, and therefore that, I think the way to look at this from a macroeconomic perspective is that right now we have an inflation problem to deal with as well. Therefore, the government is constrained in terms of how much they can include in the assistance package. Mm. But this will not be a one-off. So in future years, um, I think the government should be thinking about a series of steps yeah. in boosting the job seeker payment. Once the inflation problem, once the inflation dragon is slayed, so to speak, mm. then there is the second constraint that the government has to uh, contemplate. That is, uh, we have um, historically high national debt. Yeah. And this is especially during the COVID time. 
uh, rightly so, that the government put in a, a very large um, sort of stimulus packages back into the economy to help people. But that also means that at the moment, our national debt stands at a trillion dollars. And therefore, that um, the issue is we need to actually start to sort of get this thing under control and get the budget path back on track. So that would be the second constraint mm -hmm. um, that the government has to work with. But at the same time, if the economy is growing healthily, uh, and then, you know, we, we continue to have strong economy, and then there is the, the reasonable migration intake, uh, if the global economy improves over time, and that's going to all work favorably uh, in tax revenue boost. Yeah. And therefore that I think, so once again, you know, the question is, how does the government achieve that right balance? Um, and hopefully that, you know, in some way that I have demonstrated um, to listeners that it, it is, it's not an easy job to get that no, right it, balance. No, it's definitely you know? not. And it, it very much seems that before anything else can change, inflation really needs to be tackled. Yes, yeah. certainly. Um, you know, when inflation was persistently high in the 70s and 80s, uh, it was very clear to everybody in the economy, uh, including the policymakers, that if you leave this problem uh, sort of not fully solved, then uh, a couple really um, serious issues will pop up. The first thing is that people just continually think about high prices all the time. Mm. Um, and so we call that very entrenched inflation expectations. And so um, uh, workers will, will constantly demand um, higher wage growth. And that, that is just going to feed back into higher inflation because businesses at some point will have to pass that back to the consumers. Consumers will then turn around um, to demand their employers and firms to give them higher wages. Um, and then um, think about it. You know, I haven't, you know, really that um, uh, these days what I do is, you know, I sort of very diligently go on uh, Coles and Woolworths website. You know, if I want to buy new uh, a new bottle of detergent, you know, yeah. I, I think about it maybe two or three weeks ahead yeah. and see if there's any bargain, you know, on the horizon, that sort of thing. So uh, one of the things that you're going to find is that when you when you are in a persistently high uh, price environment, you do have to set aside additional time or some time that's going to eat into your other activities just to keep track of what's going to happen to to prices. And when you actually then expand that to the entire economy and apply that to both households and firms, um, the efficiency of the entire economy will, will be reduced. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a very sort of damaging thing to have. Um, and then from there, uh, basically that uh, slowly that will become uh, uh, a decrease in GDP growth and therefore um, a higher unemployment, so on and so forth. And when it becomes entrenched, it's just really difficult to unravel that. And therefore that, um, I, I think there, there, there was a, a, so enough people have learned from that, a very painful lesson. Mm. Um, and therefore that, you know, that has to be a, a paramount thing that our economy has to tackle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, I think it's something that's also, it's quite disproportionately affecting students as well. You know, we're seeing it a lot at universities. Students are saying they can't afford rent because they have to get groceries or they can't afford groceries because yeah. they have to pay rent. And it's, 
yeah, it's something that's that's very very much impacting the whole of Australia. So it's it's interesting to get an economic perspective on this because I don't know many people who aren't interested in economics who know what's going on on an actual you know government policy level or from the way that the economy works. You know, they just go, why can't we just get paid more? But it's that same thing of saying, why can't we just print more money in a way? Because then, as you were saying, it just becomes that cycle. Yeah, so, so one of the things that, um, so we call that general equilibrium in macroeconomics mm-hmm. jargon. So in other words, that whatever happens in one particular sector of the, the macroeconomy, there is going to be this spillover um, sort of effect to the other sectors. And then as the other sectors sort of respond or react to the, um, to the development in the original sector, that reaction would then come back to the other sector, including the original sector. So there is the second round feedback effect. And therefore, you know, that's, that, that becomes very interesting, very much more complex, of course, when you, you know, try to cut through all that, um, all the interactions, but uh, it becomes much more interesting mm. to think about that it's not just contained within one particular group of our society or economy, uh, rather that it's, um, th- there is a, a a very rich interactive element to it. Yeah. So overall, do you think this is a step in the right direction? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think it is. Um, because it addresses this larger issue of uh, income inequality, which, you know, uh, once again, you know, I mean, um, you, you don't go without one day that people are talking about the problem in the housing market. That's yeah. both um, housing and rental affordability, you know. And so... Um, it, it's it's now become income inequality has become a, a major social problem in Australia, and yet I, I think it's becoming much more. But you know, I mean, it was fairly invisible, you know. But I think that is now uh, slowly, really, sort of floating to the surface. Then people are now sort of more and more um, uh, charity groups, uh, for example, coming out and talking about the daily plight of these people. And so, um, um, so I think it's very important to address that. It's not something that you can do it in one budget or two budgets. It has to be a, a long-term planning uh, and a series of steps in addressing that. Uh, because, you know, it's obviously a social problem uh, at the individual level, at the family level, and then at the societal level. But it can also translate into a macroeconomic problem, really. Mm. Because when you think about uh, what income inequality is, is that it's a redistribution of income from low-income households to the high-income ones. Now, the problem is that if you have a worsening concentration of income uh, at the top end of the spectrum, then it's going to be a drag on overall spending because, once again, that the high-income households can't afford to save more of the additional income because they can afford to. Yeah. And so that's going to be a drag on overall spending and that is the problem because household spending is 60% of our economy so we really need that spending to yeah. to, to sort of get going um, so no I, I, I think that this is important this is the first step but it's not definitely uh, the the end of it yeah well thank you so much for your insight I feel like I've definitely learned a lot um, and I hope our listeners have learned a lot as well especially those who are on these payments and who are struggling. Um, So hopefully that means that 
in the future, we will be seeing more changes as, you know, the economy gets better, I suppose, heals in a way. Um, so is there research that you're doing or papers that people can find if they're interested in learning more? My particular academic research um, is more about macroeconomic modeling. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you know, I'm sort of more interested in what happens when there are changes in monetary policy measures and what would be the overall uh, effect on uh, the Australian economy. Um, so as far as my academic research is concerned, it's a little bit more uh, sort of concentrated in yeah. a particular area. Yeah. Uh, but I do sort of um, just keep tab of what's going on with, uh, you know, all these different macroeconomic issues in Australia. So Yeah, cool. And, um, you know, if you're interested in learning more, I suppose they can always shoot you a message or find oh, yeah. you through the university's yes, website. Or, or if you're ever interested in, please do uh, consider enrolling in the macroeconomics units that we have um, on offer at the business school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, it, it does actually sound very, very interesting and very important for people to learn. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, even though that with my academic research is mostly sort of, you know, uh, it could seem a little technical, but... Um, I do also enjoy in, in thinking about the results I have on my paper and sort of policy implications and the wider implications on uh, the Australian people. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, um, Dr. Sean. It's been a massive pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much.